WBNE. Hello and welcome to episode 104, All About the Hobbit, chapter 17, The Clouds Burst, being the 104th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I am joined by Cam and Maggie of Second Breakfast. Welcome. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much for having us. We're so excited. Yeah, I love getting a uh, fellow Lord of the Rings and, and Tolkien podcasters on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always a fun time to compare notes and, and journeys. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't you guys tell me a little bit about your backgrounds with Lord of the Rings and, and Tolkien? How did those things come into your life? For sure. Yeah. So we've always loved the movies. We watched them uh, together a lot back in college and it was like a big bonding thing for us, but we'd never read the books. Well, we both read The Hobbit, right? You read The Hobbit? I read it during a hurricane. Okay. So I wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> what well, hurricane? Yeah, what uh, Ike. Was it Ike? Yeah. I moved to Texas and like a second later, there was a major hurricane and I had no idea Ooh. how to read fantasy beyond like Harry Potter. Yeah. All I remember is turning the pages and eventually a dragon. Yes. <laughs> Pretty much. I was like 14. <laughs> yeah. but so we'd, and I'd read it like in high school sometimes. We were like, we want to read The Lord of the Rings at some point. And then we came up with the idea to do a podcast about it. But we put it off and put it off because we were like both in grad school and living in different parts of the country and it wasn't very feasible. But like finally last year, um, right at the start of the pandemic, uh, Cam finished up his master's and we were like, I think it's time to start the podcast. So we just like jumped right in with The Hobbit. Um, and that's kind of been our our journey from yeah, there. Yeah, so we do we do a chapter every week and we started with The Hobbit and Maggie does a quick recap at the beginning and then we go through all sorts of theories and questions. We have some theories that have been going uh, throughout the books that we've talked about, like <laughs> yeah. Gandalf's magic and what we think of him as a terrible father figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's fun and I think we had to remind ourselves at some point that it's not homework and that we can yes. be goofy. <laughs> Uh, but we're halfway through Two Towers now, and mm-hmm. it's been really rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and like the like other part concept of our show is called Second Breakfast, and so like we do all that with the chapter, mm-hmm. and then we have a Second Breakfast segment where we just talk about anything. Sometimes we talk more about Tolkien. Sometimes Cam, you bring in uh, Christopher Tolkien's notes and stuff like that. Yeah. But then other times we're just talking about other art, like movies we've been watching or... Sometimes relevant to the chapter, sometimes just something we experienced that week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. One time, like, I think we had a really long discussion about the benefits of audiobooks versus reading, yeah. hard copy, things like that. Yeah, we did a big thing a couple weeks ago about the death of the author and yeah. how it affects like the perception Ooh, of that person's mm-hmm. work. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. It, it, it can be more freeform than just whether or not we liked the chapter because we've had a lot of duds lately. We really have. That first half of Two Towers. <laughs> two Towers <Ooh>. struggles. <laughs> I was going to, yeah, I was going to ask what, so like when you say you're halfway through Two Towers, does that mean you're on to the Sam Frodo We just got there. Yet? We yeah. just did our first one. And I, I listened to your episode for that chapter and I was so glad you <laughs> felt the same way. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, the first... Man, Two Towers, I remember really enjoying the first half, Uh or at least the majority of it. And then, 
Yeah, man, that second half, not a not a huge fan. Oh, great. So. Oh, good. Can't wait to dive in. <laughs> I wish you luck. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's been interesting because like when Tolkien's on, he's on and it's so great. And then there are moments where you're like, why are we talking about trees for 45 pages? What are we yeah. doing? <laughs> so, but it's been fun to dive in and talk about. And there's always stuff to grab onto. There's always, always things to dissect, even if mm-hmm. like we're a bit bored by the plot (laughs) so yeah it's been great so question for y'all what has been one of your uh like favorite theories that you've discussed that's maybe something that people haven't thought about before well there's (laughs) it was funny I, i i read the chapter again to prepare for this and I listened to a bit of our episode because I don't remember. The second we stop recording, I forget everything. Oh, I've, said. it's all oh, gone. Same. Oh my God, same. <laughs> and, oh my God. When it comes time to writing the episode descriptions, I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't I know. If we don't, I don't know what happened. If we don't do them right, like literally right when we hit stop recording, we will have no idea what we talked yeah, about. It's it's impossible. Uh, yeah, so I it's listened. It's truly a, a, a phenomenon with, with podcasters. Yes. <laughs> yes. We're, We're like, I don't know what this episode is about, but you you should listen to yeah. it. Like, oh, did I say that? I don't like remember. Like and subscribe. Yeah, right. <laughs> one of our one of our big ones has been about Gandalf and the birds mm-hmm. that we think he basically controls all the birds in Middle Earth. And uh, a theory I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll get into when we're talking about it is that we also think Gandalf the Grey has control of the weather. Mm-hmm. And we did spend about a year talking about who the narrator <laughs> might be of the story. And eventually yeah. gave up and decided it's just Tolkien. It's nobody. Yeah. We were like, maybe it's Gandalf. Maybe it's Bilbo. Maybe There's it's There's one Aragorn. chapter where it was Aragorn. <laughs> and it's, it's just, it's nobody. But, yeah, it's nobody. <laughs> but yeah, it's been fun to dive in. Yeah. Um, and like Cam always has weirder theories than I do. And I'm like, you're so wrong. But, the, but then it's fun to talk about. So, yeah. <clears throat> Sometimes those are the theories that are more, that like, I love discussing, particularly with Harry Potter, because I I know a whole lot more about Harry Potter than Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. Um, I love discussing those theories that are like super like wild and outlandish. And you're like, that's dumb. But it's just (laughs) it's just fun, you know, and all it can take is reading like one line to be like, what if Mm -hmm. um, Harry was actually... Actually, no, I can't think of one. Um, one, oh, one is like, what uh, What? What if Crookshanks was uh, an animagus, yeah, yeah. but like, oh, stuck right. in animagus form or something? And it's like, but that doesn't have anything to do. It's like, it doesn't matter. Exactly. The thing we stumbled into in the last couple of weeks is Gandalf the White, since he's come back. And yeah. I don't think he's Gandalf. I don't think he's the same Gandalf <laughs> that we refer to when we talk about Gandalf the Grey. We oh, think yeah. he's just like this vessel for whatever the god of Middle Earth is. And he seems more and more like a zombie or some sort of reanimated corpse. Yeah, right. It's like, and, and I did disagreed on that at first, but now the more we go into it, I'm like, oh, I think you're right. But it's like something <laughs> so I would never thought that of. It's not even, because I, I do think of Gandalf the Grey and Gandalf the White as two different people, but mm-hmm. kind of in the sense of like who I was in high school versus who I am now are, oh, you know, two different people. That's a nice way um, to think but, about it. So are you guys thinking that Gandalf the White is literally like a different soul? Like, Yeah, I think we're at the point where like Gandalf the White is the body of Gandalf the Grey, but an entirely different like being because he's like this vessel. He's for... like, yeah, he's like a familiar vessel that whoever the like God of Middle Earth, the ultimate good of Middle Earth is, mm-hmm. can act Whoa. through that the fellowship will accept. 
Yeah. But he's sort of the cheat code <laughs> because they need to beat <laughs> yeah. Sauron eventually. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of where we're at right now. But that very well could change the more we go, which is what's so fun about it. So we never liked him anyway. <laughs> Gandalf the Grey? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he was a constant disappointment. Be- because he literally leaves for like chapters at a time and doesn't say where he's going. Especially in The Hobbit. Have you noticed that? Oh, oh, yo, the the previous <laughs> chapter is when he shows up. It's literally right. on the last page of the previous chapter. And the previous chapter is the shortest chapter, I think, Tolkien in all of Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Mm. I think it's the shortest chapter at all. And on the last page of this chapter, it's like an old man wrapped in a cloak walked out of a tent and patted <laughs> Bilbo on the shoulder. And I screamed (laughs) and I just lost my mind because I was like you sly motherfucker yeah exactly (laughs) the gray Uh, and like I love the chaotic energy of Gandalf the gray I do too it's it's just amazing yeah he just disappears and Uh it's like can can you provide any answers or context Nope. No, have fun. <laughs> yep. I'm just going to give you some vague hints about what I'm doing and about, you know, your future and if you're going to die. But OK, bye. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's fun. But yeah, he does a bit less of that as Gandalf the White we're finding. So, yeah, he doesn't. He's not as fu- he has to be serious now because yeah, yeah. His, fir- his first chance as a wizard, he didn't do very well and and now now that he's back as Gandalf the White he's like oh my god I have to take this job seriously now yeah right exactly (laughs) like if you get a bad like performance review at work and you're like oh I might be fired I need to like ramp it up and take this seriously now I guess I can't leave for months at a time and not tell people where I'm going (laughs) yeah exactly now I just like thinking of Gandalf the Grey and Gandalf the White now I just like thinking of it in terms of like in a corporate setting of like you know (laughs) his boss the ceo sat him down sat gandalf the gray down and was like hey look we gotta have a discussion about your career and your position here because while we love you you don't when you're here you distract everyone in the office (laughs) you waste office resources absolutely they're rebranding yeah Yeah. (laughs) go on vacations for months and weeks at a time and you tell no one <laughs> yeah exactly we got, we got, you gotta step it up or you're gonna be fired yeah right <laughs> oh, i like that way of thinking yeah. about it <laughs> and then perhaps we'll see more Gandalf in this chapter <laughs> mm. i wonder the previous chapter ended with um or i guess in the previous chapter in general it was about bilbo bringing the Arkenstone to the elves and the men and saying, use this as a bargaining chip. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to go back with the dwarves and hopefully they won't kill me. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He just like kind of like sneaks back in, right? He's like, okay, Bomber, you can stop uh, keeping watch and just like sneaks back in and nobody knows. Isn't that, yeah, isn't that which I, th- I I thought was very like brave of him uh-huh. because I would have I would have been like, Here's the Arkenstone. You can use it if you want. I'm going home. Bye. <laughs> I know. Like, to be like, I just, I just gave away walk. their, like, I just betrayed all these dwarves, but now I'm just going to go back in and pretend like nothing happened and it's all going to yeah. be fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So that's exactly what's happened uh, at the start of this chapter is he's back with the dwarves and he's pretending like everything is fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Love it. And a uh, messenger comes running up the path. And the way that this was phrased, um, and I think because everyone is getting excited for the Summer Olympics, too, (laughs) um, I was just imagining, because it says, soon a single runner was seen hurrying along the narrow path. And in my mind, I was just imagining someone running with, like, the Olympic torch, but it's the Arkenstone. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Like, I come with a message. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, so this messenger comes and says, please come out for, you know, a word or or discussion or whatever. And Thorin thinks that this is the elves and the men coming to admit defeat because Dane and the other army of dwarves are approaching. Right. And... So they come back, uh, the uh, elves and the men come back later that day, and uh, Thorin's like, my mind isn't changed. I am um, <laughs> not going to give you any of this money. It's mine. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> but if you want to surrender and leave us, mm-hmm. good for you. Yeah, you right. Know? Uh-huh. <laughs> then they reveal that they have the Arkenstone. Dun, 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 dun. dun. <laughs> oh my God. Perfect timing. <laughs> it was a really big moment. And it was like, and they seemed very like nonchalant, like, yeah, we have your Arkenstone. He's like, how about this to trade or something like that? What now? I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is really fun. And then Thorin gets like so, uh, he's so paranoid in this chapter. Like he's like, you've all betrayed me. You're all in league. Like he's like so, uh, he seems very affected by like whatever dragon sickness is upon him, right? Uh, yeah, I, I felt more sympathy for Thorin this time <laughs> I read it than last time, maybe. Because like he's always been a bad communicator, but here he's completely overwhelmed. <laughs> like the even apart from the dragon sickness and everything that uh, the treasure in Erebor does to him, it really struck me in this chapter that like money gives him options and they've been pouring on the run for so long that I'm sure he's feeling the weight of making these decisions for all the people and all the surviving dwarves. Oh, that's and a good point, yeah. I don't know. I felt more sympathetic for him. Oh, I didn't at all. I was like, <laughs> he's being so paranoid and like Yeah, I will say I have, That's a great point and all. But yeah, I don't care. I don't I don't care for Thorin <laughs> in this moment. I mean, like he's right to feel betrayed, I suppose, but still I, I think it was that he didn't, he wasn't one note. And I think sometimes he can be extremely one note in oh, the same way true. like Gandalf gets sick of the dwarves for just being obstinate. I, I thought Thorin had a little more of a dynamic arc in this chapter. Like when that first big black cloud rolls over and it freaks him out, uh, it felt like the moment where Thorin could be kind of scared straight, like his whatever psychological <laughs> cloudiness mm, or yeah. brooding. It mm. felt like there was finally a ray of sunshine that shot through that and he started to be productive, useful. I guess that's true. I will say though, he what makes me less sympathetic is that after like well, I don't want to step on our, our walk through here, but after like they decide like, okay, you can buy back the Arkenstone from us, Thorin immediately is like, We gotta take that back without paying them. And he like immediately <laughs> yeah, like, he's sends like, a raven. I, he like sends a raven how to Dane. Can I get both things <laughs> yes. um for no money. <laughs> yes, exactly. He immediately is like trying to cheat them out of their bargain. And like when yeah. the guy comes back to like collect payment, he like shoots arrows at him. He's like, No, we're not doing that. So a little less sympathy there with the. I'm trying. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, that's a great. That's a great point because he, um, he is the king. What? What? His official. It's something to do with the king of the mountain or king under the mountain. I think I can't they're used interchangeably. 
something yeah. like that. Yeah, something like yeah, something involving a mountain. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. He has this. Um, you're totally right that he does have this, you know, like responsibility kind of thrust on him and this pressure of like, okay, we've gotten like our people's, you know, inheritance and wealth back. Like we've done it. The, you know, the thing that ruined our lives and killed so many of our people um, and scattered us and totally ruined our land. You know, Smaug is dead and we have this treasure. This is a chance for us to start over and rebuild. So I do, you're, uh, that's a great point that I hadn't really thought about that. Like there is this pressure on him to, you know, figure out what to do with all of that. And sometimes you're like, um, which is how I feel whenever I get any money i'm afraid of how to, i'm like i i'm afraid i'm gonna spend it wrong so i just don't spend it that's true so then you hoard it that's a good point <laughs> yeah. Much yeah. like the dragon I, i'm in a con- i'm in a constant cycle of like well let me put this money aside for emergencies mm-hmm. and then an emergency will happen but i'll be like this isn't a real emergency <laughs> i don't you know like i don't like what happens if a real emergency comes around and i do need that money and then i don't have it because i spent it on this thing that isn't an emergency Emergency. Oh yeah, and then it's just that cycle mm-hmm. all over. Very easy to justify yourself out of it. Yeah, for but sure. Like- so you guys mentioned the phrase "dragon sickness," and that's yeah. something that uh, yes. I've kind of been talking about with the treasure and everything. Mm-hmm. Is wondering whether the treasure itself um, has this effect on dwarves in general, mm-hmm. or um, if it's Sma- or if Smaug had some kind of like magical, mm. you know, something to do with the treasure. And that's why it's had this negative effect. I feel like we talked about this a lot yeah, when we, we were did. reading through mm-hmm. it. And I don't know what we ended up on. I think that it's unrelated to Smaug. Um, I think that it has to do more with, again, I don't know if it's the treasure in Erebor specifically, or if it more has to do with any sort of wealth or riches that's involving dwarves i think dwarves seem to be specifically susceptible to what tolkien calls dragon sickness which i just think is his way of describing greed and mm. corruption um i don't know what you thought about it cam though I don't yeah <laughs> it was uh, it was kind of rewarding to reread this now because i couldn't help compare the arkenstone and the ring and I do believe there's yeah. some sort of magical stink that Smaug puts on the gold in Erebor, but the Arkenstone is just like a rock in the pile. It didn't. <laughs> it seems more benign to me than maybe the rest of the gold or some freaky gold cup. Hmm. Like I feel like the Arkenstone reveals people's motivations for whether or not they want it. The way uh, the way Bilbo used it as a political tool and it didn't seem to like act on his mind in the same way Mm -hmm. the ring acts on whoever is bearing it Mm -hmm. so it seemed like less of a magical device than the ring uh i don't know if that's just because i'm reading lord of the rings right now but that's how it hit me (laughs) no i i totally like saw that happening um when and of course there are only like really small pieces um that Tolkien wrote about like the way that the treasure is affecting mm-hmm. the dwarves and Thorin it he he writes about it like very briefly where like all of a sudden they are like greedy and you can see this effect on Thorin mm-hmm. um and I talked in previous chapters how like I would have 
I would have liked to have an additional scene or something where you're actually seeing more of that. Mm. Um, Yeah, I totally saw. I was like, Tolkien wrote this part about like a treasure having a negative, uh, like a magical treasure of some kind having a negative effect over people. And he was like, huh, that's an interesting (laughs) idea. Maybe I should explore that more in depth later on. Yeah. (laughs) And even with that, the, the rules are usually kind of opaque with the ring and i was thinking the thing you just said about emergencies there's there's something strange here with the ring and the way the dwarves are so rigid in even their treatment of bilbo it doesn't feel like they ever accept him and their their principles <laughs> their principles make them so stubborn that bilbo never feels comfortable with them gandalf never feels comfortable with them and it almost feels like a system of rules that are placed on magic in a fantasy series where you'd you'd be able to know like the rules of physics maybe but here i, I don't i don't know the arkenstone doesn't seem to have that hmm. you mean compared to the rest of the treasure yeah like there's a moment at the end of this chapter where thorin refers to his allies and it's the first time that he means anyone who's not a dwarf. Mm. Like he's he's yeah. the 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 battle's gone on long enough that the five sides have kind of consolidated into everyone except the goblins. <laughs> and he's referring to everyone and it feels like he's breaking some of that rigidity that he's had his entire life. Mm. Uh well, yeah, see, now I'm thinking that maybe the, the treasure itself is some kind of curse. Like, if you're saying that he, like, gets out of the mountain and that he kind of breaks free of that. And I think, and again, I don't know if this is Smaug who's the one who's, like, cursing or corrupting the treasure. But I think the treasure itself might have some sort of uh, corrupted quality to it. Especially because early on when when Thorin is uh, accusing Bilbo of stealing the Arkenstone and he's all upset about it, Uh, the narrator says and already so strong was the bewilderment of the treasure upon him he was pondering whether he might not recapture the Arkenstone and withhold the share of the reward and I was like bewilderment of the treasure feels like a like he's like hinting at this like way to describe the treasure as this it's corrupted and evil and is affecting Mm -hmm. Thorin in some kind of way so yeah once he breaks free of that and he literally leaves the mountain and has physical distance maybe that's what kind of helps him escape that bewilderment yeah it's like it's (laughs) I'm trying to think because there's the title is super interesting to me just the clouds burst because it's the second chapter with clouds in the title and the yeah the thing I kind of and I never really um I never really even talked about that in the Mm. um other the gathering of the clouds I never Mm -hmm. really talked about the name of that chapter either where like it's it's a there have been some really literal chapter names for sure yep um mm-hmm. where like it'll bilba literally says like ah oh, well we're really out of the frying pan and into the fire <laughs> yeah. with this one oh, and then that's there the it name is. of the chapter um yeah yeah and that's definitely a lot more you know the clouds what is the gathering of the clouds mm-hmm. and then the clouds burst is definitely like a lot more metaphorical but i guess with this in this chapter you get kind of more literal because there are these mm-hmm. like literal actual like clouds, clouds mm-hmm. happening that- as like this battle reaches its climax and stuff sure but it also runs in parallel with thorin's orc uh thorin's arc Orc. (laughs) Um, because he he is clouded through those scenes once they get to arabor like this is the Mm. longest location in the Mm. hobbit the lonely mountain and it's interesting that as we sort of get used to it he gets kind of stuck in his ways 
But all of that cloudiness does seem to break in this chapter when a bigger threat arises than what to do with the gold. And when we were talking before about Gandalf's magic possibly being related to the weather with the birds, even when he knocks out the trolls, he basically uses light. He breaks that rock and light shines in and that nukes the trolls. Mm. Like there's there's this uh, running tradition of weather relating to his magic. Here, the thing that breaks Thorin's cloudiness is that big black cloud that presages all of these orcs and scary people who are about mm. to march on him and kill him. And those like mortal concerns overrule whatever politics have uh, mm-hmm. kind of clouded him. So yeah. I don't know. It's I don't like you said, I don't think the titles are always that interesting, but here it does seem to pertain to like four different things. Yeah, I think you thought yeah. a lot harder about this one maybe than some <laughs> others. Yeah, yeah it's a, that's a great way to look at it of like uh, in the previous cloud name chapter, Thorin's thoughts are very much being clouded by the treasure and everything. And then here, mm. by the end of the chapter, his head is cleared and, you know, he he's his eyes are open to like, oh, there mm-hmm. are more important things happening right now than this treasure. The way you mentioned Gandalf kind of showing up in a hurry as the old man in the last chapter. Oh, Gandalf. Even mm. thinking about that troll moment where he like slams down the staff and then he's he, Gandalf has arrived. Mm-hmm. Like him just slipping in as the old man in the last chapter, he doesn't have a big dramatic entrance, which suggests like the stakes are higher and he can't pay attention to aesthetics and performance right now. <laughs> if if he is controlling the weather that kind of breaks for for Thorin here, I don't know. I think he he, he he's he's already had that kind of under the radar presence where he, he needs Thorin to be rallied. He doesn't need him to be weak. So pushing him in the mm-hmm. right direction with something indirect or metaphorical like the weather enables him to still be the big hero in the armor at the end of the chapter instead mm-hmm. of like challenged for his alpha status. That's a good point. He's a yeah. delicate character. He can have Thorin. the clouds literally burst and like the lightning flashing and stuff instead of him just showing up with his staff. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> yeah, so they reveal that they have the Arkenstone, and Thorin immediately is like uh, accuses them of being thieves. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, "We didn't steal it, um, but we'll give it back to you in exchange for some of your treasure." And he's like, "Well, then, how did you get it? Because that is mine." Um, and Bilbo very bravely like volunteers very bravely him, himself as tribute basically yes. he does not try to like lie about it like he's like kind of like freaked out in the corner but then he's like i did it like he's not yeah, at he's all holding like, back I, I gave i gave it away it was me i i burgled it it was me yeah and thorin <laughs> turns on him immediately oh yeah um and and starts yelling at him which is so he says you undersized burglar <laughs> um, which I just think is funny because like that's kind of the whole point of why they hired him. Exactly. He literally <laughs> did what you told him to do. So I don't know what you like, want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thorin's like, I only wish Gandalf were here so he could beat the crap out of mm-hmm. you. Uh-huh. And it's funny how you mentioned that like Gandalf in the previous chapter didn't have a dramatic entrance. Right. <laughs> because he has one now. Exactly. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> where Th- uh, Thorin is like, I wish Gandalf were here. Uh, and then it says, stay, your wish is granted, said a voice. The old man with the casket threw aside his hood and cloak. Here is Gandalf and none too soon, it seems. If you don't like my, this is so cute. Uh-huh. If you don't like my burglar, please don't damage him. Yes, I did like that one a lot. Daddy's here to save the day. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's so much more politically nuanced than Bilbo is, obviously, because he's had so much more experience. 
But like Bilbo challenges Thorin in a direct way. Like that's a that's a confrontation and Thorin goes nuts. Yeah, it's so bold. Gandalf like announces his arrival, but he doesn't really address what Thorin's doing wrong. Hmm. In, in as direct a way as Bilbo did. Like, oh, if, sure. Working with that theory that he's acting through the clouds and he makes it all stormy to get Thorin worried yeah. about the real enemy. Like, that is, that's a much more indirect, more politically savvy way to deal with Thorin than to just grab his family jewels and challenge him in front of all of his friends. Yeah, it's like Bilbo has like a, like a sort of a naive uh, courage to him. Yes. But it's effective. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's nice to show like the difference between all the experience in the world and literally no experience. It's very pure. Yes. Which like makes me worried yeah. for him. Yeah, for, which yeah. is uh, what's so funny because he because then Thorin like accuses Gandalf of, you know, working together to get the Arkansas and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just talking about like Bilbo being super, you know, unexperienced and everything. He says, I am sure this is all very uncomfortable. <laughs> I know. He's like so polite. Think- <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny because it's like. That's the like you're being choked and throttled by mm-hmm. someone who's, you know, I mean, he's a dwarf, so I'm assuming he's not that much bigger, but he's definitely Still. a lot stronger than Bilbo. I know. Exactly. And he's like, oh, this is uncomfortable. Yes, I know. It's so funny. And like, it's funny that we're noticing that now while we're reading Two Towers is that like Mary and Pippin do a lot of that same thing of being like very like almost tone deaf to the situation and lighthearted. Like when they all get to Isengard and like they've been missing, they thought they were going to be killed by the orcs. They're just like sitting there being like, yeah, we're having a meal with some wine. Come join us. And it's like Isengard's literally burning down. What are you doing? (laughs) That is side note. That is my favorite scene in I think like all of the Lord of the Rings movies yeah. <laughs> and in the when they're just <laughs> they've had this near death situation uh-huh. <laughs> they're just... and there was this huge battle and the Ents took down Isengard and their friends thought they've been killed by orcs yep. <laughs> and then they show up and they're just sitting there eating and drinking and smoking. Exactly. <laughs> it's so great. But I like that because I like kind of forgotten how much Tolkien did, did that in The Hobbits when I was rereading this again. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, so he's like consistent with his different like uh, people groups in Middle yeah, Earth. Yeah. Um, I really liked it because, and I, again, I really think it separates Bilbo from everybody else. And at some point, that, that purity that we just made kind of made fun of but also admired in Bilbo <laughs> like that that does look naive at first but if you keep that going after a certain number of traumatic events it's sort of heroic to still believe mm-hmm. in things like table manners after you've been you know dragged around by a bunch yes. of trees like he's really sticking to who he is and like who his people are yeah. like he's not just like trying to blend in with the dwarves and like become homogenous with them like Mm -hmm. he's like i'm a hobbit i care about being respectful and saying please (laughs) and i like it a lot (laughs) so thorin then yells at bilbo and is like get out of here i don't want to see you again (laughs) um you are no friend of mine um and he says that uh we will gather one fort because bilbo's like well you said i could take one you know you said i could take my share of the treasure mm-hmm. you just didn't really specify what that share was right <laughs> so the arkenstone so is i mine. decided <laughs> to take literally the one thing you valued above the entire treasure <laughs> hope that's okay that's 114 right <laughs> i know again yeah. so bold <laughs> like, yeah really so he's that. like well i took this to be my share of the treasure so why don't you just give away 
to these people one fourteenth of the treasure, which would have been my share. Mm-hmm. Um, and I won't get it. And you can just give it to these people and they'll give you the Arkenstone. And then we'll all go, you know, on our separate ways. Mm-hmm. And so Bilbo leaves with Gandalf and the elves and the men. Yeah, immediately Thorin <laughs> is like, how can I... No, he's like, yeah, yeah, we'll give you the treasure. Uh-huh. Let's come back and meet up here. Give us time to gather everything. Come back here tomorrow at noon. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then immediately, I just imagined him turning around and being like, "We're not giving them any of the yeah, treasure." Like- <laughs> I can't wait for you to see how the movie does this. It's so enjoyable. It's it's yeah. Oh, I don't want to say too much, but it's a really great moment. The Thorin really actor like has fun. Yeah, the, the guy playing Thor does <laughs> well, a really great job. That's what's been really interesting for me to like gather through context based on the things that I've been posting on social media mm-hmm. um, as I'm reading through the book. And I'll be like, isn't Thorin like Thorin's the worst? Am I right? And people <laughs> are like, no, he's my favorite character ever. And I'm like, have you read The Hobbit? And yes. they're like, no, but I've watched it. And so <laughs> I, I, I yeah, I've been picking up a lot more and more that. Um, they have clearly done a lot more with Thorin's. I mean, well, you have to do that when you're taking a, you know, three hundred barely three hundred <laughs> uh-huh. page book and turning it into a three hour movie. You know, yeah. you have to expand upon those characters. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I'm re- I am excited. Uh, d- despite the negative things that I've heard about the movies, <laughs> I am still excited to see them just because I usually have a low bar for movies in general. Mm-hmm. And like, as long as I'm entertained, I'm like, yeah, that was that was a good movie. I, you know, I really like the third movie. I feel like oh, you yeah. will be entertained, like especially when we rewatched it for the podcast, because mm-hmm. we do episodes on the movies, too. We were like, I was like, oh, this movie is fun. Like, I used to not like it. And like, no, it's great. It might be my favorite of the Hobbit movies, actually. And he's like, Thorin is such a drama queen beefcake. Yeah. The way they change him for the movies. Yes. And R- Richard Armitage. Yes, like, I've really... also heard all of the dwarves are hot. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm, they are, which is like really unexpected. And a lot of them are like really powerful British stage actors. Yeah. They're like big time but dudes. They, they shoot them like hobbits where they're all small. Yeah. So it's really it, funny. Like, it, it ups the drama in every scene and it, it makes it really enjoyable to watch. I'm yeah. sure you'll like it. I can't wait to see what oh, you think great. of it. Yeah. yeah. It'll be fun. So by the time this episode is coming out, Actually, I may because I'm um, I'm trying to get ahead of schedule because Mm -hmm. to pull back the curtain a bit, my life is insane right now (laughs) where I have like 20. I I started a new job Mm -hmm. and I'm moving and I'm going. um, I'm leaving two days from now to go out of town for my brother's wedding and like. Yeah, so like a <laughs> lot a of lot. things are happening. Yeah, so I'm trying to get um, ahead of schedule in in recordings, mm-hmm. um, also so that I can give myself time to watch the movies. Oh. So by the time this episode comes out, there might be a good chance that I've already seen at least one of the movies, which okay. is just you know weird to think about in the timeline yeah. of, <laughs> of 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 like recording versus. podcast publishing yeah absolutely i think we've successfully gotten ahead of schedule once we did it when we moved because we (laughs) were moving across the country back in august and we so we did like we banked like 10 episodes and that was the end of the (laughs) hobbit like you're doing now so then we got two months off which was kind of cool yeah (laughs) but it was weird like this this battle is the name of the third movie and obviously there's more so crazy exactly this battle is literally three pages like it's so it's but it's really great how they were able to what they were able to pull out of it um but yeah you're right it is it's very quick in the books i mean it's a big deal but Mm -hmm. it is pretty 
limited. <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't matter with directors like that, though. That's true. <laughs> you can just that's have true. fun with it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, they took... Um, people are always very surprised when they find out that the Battle of Helm's Deep is, you know, like, three or four... Like, the actual battle itself is, like, four pages, mm-hmm. and then the entire chapter is maybe, like, 10 or 15. Yeah, right. And it's, like, an hour-long battle in, <laughs> yeah. in the movie. I know. We always say that Peter Jackson is, like, the best fan of Tolkien because he makes it all so good. Like, he brings out mm-hmm. all the good things and really enhances them and, and, like, allows you to see the beauty of it, which I love. And we just did the Helm's Deep chapter. Like, yeah, it was such ago. great timing that we got to read this again. Yes. Because, I mean, it took him, like, 18 years to write all of Lord of the Rings, so obviously he's going to have like greater writing chops by the time he's done with that. But this does feel grand and mythical to me in moments like Helm's Deep does. Yes, this very, very much felt like a preview of what he does a lot more of in The Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. It was like he was getting here and he was like, I really am interested in like diving into like big political like yes. grand scope battles and then he just then he did it and then he was like i'll write a sequel and then you know spent 18 years writing thousands <laughs> of pages but yeah, yeah. So it's fun to like get that little preview here and to kind of like see the evolution a bit mm-hmm. definitely so uh they all part ways and thorin uh is meanwhile sending roak the raven uh with more messages to dane so you just no, both so laughed Ro- we <laughs> we referred to roak as rocky the raven it's easier <laughs> uh, a lot of names we tend to just slide right over because who cares so rocky rocky roak rocky whatever you want to call him. i literally didn't recognize the name roak yeah, i was like I sorry oh, who? That's what you're like who's he <laughs> yeah rocky the raven anyway uh, that's funny yeah so rocky the raven uh-huh. i love that yep um so they're tra- they're uh uh coordinating thorin and dane are coordinating back and forth with some kind of um, you know, plan. Mm-hmm. So the next day, or it says the that day passed and the night and the next day it starts to get a lot darker and mm-hmm. colder and they hear word that the dwarves uh, have arrived and they get there and very polite. I love this little part mm-hmm. where um, it says, who are you that sit in the plane as foes before defended walls? This, of course, is the polite and rather old-fashioned language of such occasions, meant simply, you have no business here. We are going on, so make way or we shall fight you. I love that so much. (laughs) Tolkien's, like, so cheeky, and he does that a lot Mm -hmm. more in The Hobbit, which I really enjoy. Um, Oh, it's so fun. I like his little nods to the reader, and again, like, that more lighthearted, playful tone, I I think that reflects a lot... the Hobbit is so much about Bilbo specifically, and we're so focused on how Bilbo sees things on what's happening through his perspective. And I think that like cutesy, very English, like playful. Fussy. Yes, that yeah. like playful tone, I think is uh, it. it's reflective of who Bilbo is. And I like that he leans into that in The Hobbit because some of that fades away in Lord of the Rings because he's just covering it's so much It's all gone. I mean, we used to compare it to like Winnie the Pooh. Yes. Because it can be <laughs> so like sing-song and enjoyable mm-hmm. and like indulge in, in the most comforting way. 
And mm-hmm. I miss that every single chapter of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. 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 It's definitely not as fun. <laughs> no, it's the just stakes the, are a lot higher, uh, aren't they? Yeah. So tired of Rohan. Hey, I like Rohan. It's <laughs> fun. Whatever. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I like uh, I liked it a lot more in the movies when I mm. had like Aomer to watch. Oh yeah. Sure. That does help. <laughs> that does tough. make a big He's difference. Always, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um have you uh we I've talked about with some other guests um this kind of like in-universe explanation for these different tones for The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, mm. um, which is that, you know, of course, Tolkien, when he was when he started, when he set it out and started all of this, he wouldn't have ever known that this would be the case. Mm. But it just works out so perfectly that I'm like, maybe he did plan all of this. I don't know. Mm. Um, the Hobbit is much more lighthearted because it's Bilbo who wrote it, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. But Lord of the Rings has that big tone, has this huge tone shift because it's written by Frodo after he returns from this incredibly traumatic <laughs> experience. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> and he's such a changed person mm-hmm. that he has to literally leave like this realm of existence in order to be happy again. That's valid. Yeah. Well, that makes yeah. sense. Well, yeah. I mean, especially because The Hobbit is so tied to Bilbo's own perspective, that definitely, I think, checks mm-hmm. out. And then with Lord of the Rings, yeah, I feel like that makes a bit of canonical sense. Um, and also just even without... Frodo's trauma he and Bilbo are very different I mean Frodo's still a hobbit and he still has a lot of that polite um sort of lightheartedness to him but I feel like he's a lot more like like we talked a lot about Mm -hmm. in early fellowship like he's a lot more world weary like Bilbo took him out when he was a kid to like I think he took him to Rivendell, right? Like he's, or at least he's been around Mm -hmm. and he's a little bit less homely and polite than Bilbo anyway. So like they're different personalities, I think really would reflect there. I think that makes sense. Yeah, Bilbo's just more comfortable. Yes. (laughs) I mean, he's like a billionaire with a little palace in the city (laughs) where no one works. (laughs) Yeah, no, that makes sense. Well, now I feel like that just like totally shatters our narrator theories that we've been building for so it that like does forever. it does that get into more like iffy territory when you think about those chapters that it's like how could Frodo possibly have known like what exactly. was going on? And that's where you know, we struggle. You, yeah, you could explain it by being like, well, maybe you know Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli yeah. came to the Shire for a field trip, filled them in, you know, yeah, you know, one day, <laughs> and they talked about you know, or maybe the, all of this is stuff that he learned. Um, after the ring was destroyed and he right. was like, I, I think in Minas Tirith or, or Rivendell or whatever, like recovering, you know, mm-hmm. maybe he learned all of that after the fact. But um, yeah, and I, I also do, there are a couple points in The Hobbit where I'm like, how could Bilbo <laughs> have known this? Yes, there are like, some moments that break away, yeah, which is what really tripped us up, I think. Peter Jackson directed yeah. a documentary called They Shall Not Grow Old about World War One mm. that uh, we saw and we, we talked about it in uh, one of our episodes. I think it and... was this episode, like for this chapter. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. But it's it's an account of World War One with all this footage that like Peter Jackson spent years restoring. But instead of just having a voiceover, they use all the archival footage from vets talking about their experience. But they don't like they don't flash the names of who's talking they have hundreds and hundreds of guys and he just stitched it all together to create this one uh collaborative narrative across the whole movie so maybe this account like of this story could have been frodo or bilbo going to the other people who experienced those events and almost absorbing their testimonials to like flesh out 
the story he was telling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I like that view of it. That's headcanon, but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that, that's a fun way to think about it too, and fun with the Peter Jackson crossover. Yeah, that's always. I think nice. he's the perfect director for this story. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. <laughs> yeah, so the dwarves are here, and they're they're ready to throw hands immediately. Oh yeah, <laughs> they're ready. <laughs> yeah. Um. So they uh are like talking and you know discussing like what's going on and there's like a whole of course Tolkien you know going into um detail uh and of course he would have been like fresher from his experience with the war when he was writing the hobbit true. than yeah. with lord of the rings so he's you know more likely to fill in these extra details about how like they brought all of these extra supplies, mm-hmm. but they were um, such strong dwarves that like it didn't really matter. And <laughs> here's the kind of armor that they were wearing. Mm-hmm. And the armor they were wearing would uh, would prevent them from being shot with arrows, but not from this angle. Yes. Or, you know, like <laughs> I loved how like Tolkien just nerds out on things sometimes. And I, I liked it. Yeah. Because <laughs> this didn't go on for too long. Unlike, you know, some trees. That no, we no. Don't yeah, speak it, about. It's, it's totally <laughs> infectious. Like. The moment where this scene starts to turn, I caught, like, he used the word suddenly, like, half a dozen times he in did. a couple paragraphs. Yeah, he went for it. Which you'd think would be something you'd, like, edit out in one of the drafts, but I found it really, really endearing. <laughs> like, his enthusiasm kind oh, of bleeds really, through. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I'm looking on the on the next page. It says suddenly without a signal, <laughs> and then literally one sentence later, still more suddenly a darkness came on. Yeah, and then there's Gandalf who who appeared suddenly. Um, yes, I joke that J.R.R. Tolkien, and, and granted, like the the concept of like editing a book was very different in, you know, the 1930s very and true. the 50s mm-hmm. when he was writing than it is today. But I joke that he just didn't have an editor. Oh, there's <laughs> they, no way. They were like, <laughs> they were like, this is going to make us so much money. Just write whatever you want and we don't care. You I know. know. I, we've talked a lot. They were like, I think these books could be amazing if they had a good editor. But that's what we think Peter Jackson did. Exactly. He edited the books to perfection and that and now we have the movies. Exactly. I mean, this this is sort of a point of uh distinction between us because I was listening to one of your episodes and you uh complimented Tom Bombadil. Oh. <laughs> we hate him. Look. Oh my god. <laughs> so here's, here's the thing. Kind of like how I I love how chaotic Gandalf the Grey is. Uh-huh. Um I fully recognize that Tom Bombadil <laughs> It makes no narrative <laughs> There's sense. no reason Absolutely for not. him to be there. It makes but, no sense. <laughs> but just the mere fact that Tolkien wrote him is what made me become like so obsessed with him. That's fair. Where I'm like, bro, you can't just write this character that's like <laughs> some, you know, man god living in the woods uh-huh. by himself who is the only one who is immune to the ring. Yes, and then just like never and touch then, it again. Just, <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the part that I am absolutely just like lost about it, it yeah. is, is this idea that he made this enigma of a man. I know. Well, and, and, like, and was like he has a really hot river goddess <laughs> wife. Oh, yeah. Who we think is like half dead. We think she's a ghost. She, yeah. yeah, she's like for oh, sure dead. Oh, yeah. yeah. I loved talking about those chapters because they were so confusing <laughs> so, and provocative. And you're right, like a modern editor would axe that immediately. Oh, yeah. yeah. But it's so interesting. Even though it was but horrible to read, it was fun to talk about. <laughs> Oh, I I thought it was so fun. I loved reading those chapters. 
because at that point up until then it's like okay like we're can we leave the shire already can we like uh-huh. get, yeah. you let's know, go like, hey hey frodo <laughs> gandalf told you like like 20 pages ago that you need to leave with this ring yeah, and it's kind so of maybe you should start doing that <laughs> yeah. soon like oh my god i know so it's kind of it's this like breath of not fresh air, but mm-hmm. it's definitely like different air. Yeah, well, <laughs> when you get to Tom Bombadil, and what I admire about it is that I think we like learned that he thought of Tom Bombadil like a like way like early on, and then when he was like writing Lord of the Rings, he was like, I gotta include this character, and I think he just kept it like out of sheer like. Um, stubbornness he was like i love this character yeah. it's gonna be it's in like here um, it makes no sense <laughs> i'm about to ruin for anyone who hasn't watched how i met your mother <laughs> in the year 2021 yeah. i'm about to ruin it <laughs> where the creators when they started the show they knew how it was gonna end and mm. they knew that they were gonna have ted the main character end up with robin who is this character that in i think the pilot episode they set up as she is not the mother right, you know yeah. the titular how i met your mother uh-huh. character yeah. and so they came up they came up with this ending before they had you know i think it was like eight or nine seasons yeah, it was quite a lot of you know character development and writing and you know thinking of plots that they hadn't even thought of and they still wrote that original ending that they came up with like 10 years prior mm-hmm. and it was not good and oh, the entire no. uh how i met your mother fandom at least i you know <laughs> I, I was like i don't accept that ending that's not what happened <laughs> at all that's a terrible ending to completely yeah. undo all of this like character development mm. that you've done for other characters and then also like set up the mother as a character that we now love and we're rooting for and cheering for and then they're like she's dead yeah <laughs> like right <laughs> of a vague yeah. illness yeah you know and and like that's what you know so when you come up with those ideas that you're like this is what sparked mm-hmm. i don't know like the creativity mm-hmm. to create this thing and then you're like wait i'm not sure it fits in anymore <laughs> but maybe i can include it anyway and it'll be fine and a lot of the times it's not fine exactly yeah, i mean tolkien had some of that like we've been reading christopher tolkien his son wrote all those books basically dissecting his father's drafts and ideas and what changed along the way and Tolkien wrote constantly about that one little line at the end of The Hobbit where he says, Bilbo lived for the rest of his life, blah, 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 happy and boring. And then when he started writing Lord of the Rings, he was like, okay, well, then there's nowhere I can go with his character. <laughs> so, That's so true. So had yeah. to pick a new like, one. <laughs> do you break those creative constraints that you set for yourself or are you bound to them forever? Yeah, right. As and a reader, I I don't care. Like, just tell a good story. <laughs> I know. Right? I think it takes a lot. Like, that's like the mark of a good writer is when they can, like, break free from their own, like, what they thought they wanted to do and, like, pay attention to, like, what audiences want or what the, or what's working and what's not working and to just, yeah, I mean, it's the kill your darlings thing, right? Sure. So I, yeah, yeah. I think Tom Bombadil was a darling we could have killed. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, Tom Bombadil is is one of Tolkien's darlings that he was like, nope, nope, it's not. staying He's in. Like, never, never. <laughs> yep. And that is where we are going to leave this week's episode. I had a marvelous conversation with Cam and Maggie, and we talked for nearly two hours, so I decided to split it into two parts, which is very fitting because this is the climax of The Hobbit, too. Uh, so come back next week for more of this chapter discussion. 
discussion with Cam and Maggie. And you can listen to the Second Breakfast podcast and follow all of their social medias using the links in the episode description. And make sure you're listening all the way to the end of the podcast because there's a special little announcement towards the end. That's What I'm Talking About is a proud member of WBNE. You can learn more about the network by going to WBNE.org, where you will find all of our shows like Perspective Z. What's that? A podcast? Crazy, funky, junky podcast? Do you ever wonder what goes through the minds of the people that watch the last good Disney Channel shows? Or if you can wear skinny jeans and a side part without looking old? Well, then you should check out our podcast, Perspective Z, hosted by us, Katrina and Rachel. We discuss TikTok trends, politics, new co-hosts, hey, and everything in between to give you our perspective as two Gen Z ladies trying to figure out our place in the world. Listen along to hear our thoughts and opinions as Katrina enters the world as a high school grad and Rachel figures out her next steps. So make sure to check out new episodes of Perspective Z every Monday on the WBNE network at WBNE.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Now on Spotify. Toodles! The cover is by Graphite, a.k.a. Vaishon Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can get merch for That's What I'm Talking About by going to tpublic.com slash user slash talkingaboutpod or following the link in the episode description. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at talkingaboutpod. You can find me on Twitter at mcwhatsup and Instagram at mcturndownforwhat. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash talkingaboutpod to explore the different tiers and perks. We just had a hangout as I'm recording this. We just did a hangout today in the Talking About Discord server. So if you want to be a part of those in the future, you can join for $3 a month or you can become a sponsor like Brendan. Brendan, thank you so much for all of your continued support of the podcast. I appreciate it, especially uh, here in June, Pride Month. Um, As I've mentioned before, I will be donating all of the proceeds that I raised through my Patreon from the month of June to uh, previously the Harry Potter Alliance. Now they are called Fandom Forward. And if you want to help me support Fandom Forward, you can join and become a patron by the end of the month and all of that money will go to Phantom Forward or if you want to support them more directly, you can follow the link in the episode description. And listeners, now is the special announcement that I told you to listen all the way through to the end to hear. Did you did you follow my instructions? Anyway, as I am recording this outro, I have actually finished reading The Hobbit. What a delightful little tale. And of course, you will hear all of my thoughts in the coming weeks on those episodes. But I'm trying to get ahead of things. And I'm going to go ahead and start collecting questions for a post-Hobbit book, pre-Hobbit movies Q&A episode. So if you have any questions that you want me to answer, whether they are about my impressions of the book now that I finished it or predictions for the movies, you can email those to tolkienaboutpod at gmail.com. And as I get closer to the date that I record the episode, I will also make sure to post on social media and ask. So if you forget to submit a question to the Gmail, you can follow on social media and make sure to get that reminder there as well. And to close out this week's episode, I'm just going to give some podcast recommendations that I have started listening to recently that I think you guys might also enjoy. So the first is... 
The Friendship Onion, if you haven't already listened to it. It is Billy Boyd and Dominic Monaghan, a.k.a. Marion Pippin's podcast. And at first I was worried I was just going to give it a cursory listen to and see what it was about, thinking that it would just be a lot of Lord of the Rings stuff. And no offense, y'all, but I already do a lot of Lord of the Rings stuff. I don't need to listen to it as well. You know, that's a lot of Lord of the Rings in the life of someone who isn't necessarily a diehard fan of Lord of the Rings. (laughs) But it's so delightful and wonderful. It's really just them talking about like their friendship and relationship through the years and they do share a lot of like fun behind the scenes Lord of the Rings stuff from filming they had Elijah Wood on his laugh is so infectious oh my god so definitely check it out it's very it's very wonderful and delightful and the second podcast I want to recommend is an Avatar The Last Airbender rewatch podcast and it is hosted by the voices of Zuko and Korra Dante Bosco and Janet Varney. They have this wonderful chemistry. They get to share. They, they're both kind of geeking out on the series as they're rewatching it. And as of right now, I think there's just two episodes out and one of them, they sit down and talk with the creators of the show. So if you're a fan of Avatar The Last Airbender like I am, definitely check that out and check out The Friendship Onion. I think those are two podcasts that uh, like the Venn Diagrams of my listeners and listeners who will enjoy those podcasts, I think, are complete circles. All that being said, I don't know. Have a good week. I'm very exhausted. It's, uh, I have to finish editing this episode that comes out in 45 minutes, and then I have to finish packing tomorrow to move out of my house the day after that. So that's what I'm talking about. <laughs>